That's it. It's money, money, money Wednesday and life. Hey, that's what we're talking about today because money and life, it all goes together. It's six minutes past 12. I'm Pumi Mashekho and you're tuned into Womanda as we always do on the last Wednesday of the month. And I've got Michelle with a new Twitter handle. Well done. <laughs> Michelle Davis here and we're going to be talking wills. We're going to be talking trusts. We're going to be talking about choosing estates. I wonder that word estates. And we've got, uh, we've got attorney with us. Narissa is joining us. And so she's, she's the knowledgeable one. If you want to know, if you want to know about what to do with your will, this is what we're chatting about today. If you want to send us a message, if you want to be part of this conversation, you can definitely be part of this conversation. You can Twitter me. You can Twitter cliffcentral.com at pumimashiho1 at Michelle M. Dave. Um, what's the old Twitter handle? Oh my God. I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Narissa does not have a Twitter handle, and this is one of the things that I do. So when you leave here, you must get a Twitter handle. Please, Narissa. I will do so. Because people must be able to get hold of you. Okay. So there's a line from a movie that I really love that says, Today is a good day to die. But today is not a good day to die. But every day is a good day to have a conversation about that will. Mm-hmm. Um, every time, as it's month end, all those debit orders going off, all your policies... All Please your- <laughs> pay all the policies, guys. First thing off, first. <laughs> but but the thing we never, ever, ever, ever do, even if the bank phones you and hounds you about it, is put together a will. Because nobody likes to think mm-hmm. about being dead. And you can't predict when you're going to be dead. And then what happens to all your money? So, first question. Mm-hmm. If I should ever die and I haven't got a will, what happens to my money? Does it go to the bank or does it go to the state? Okay, a lot of people actually assume the money is going to go to the uh, to the um, government or to the bank. It doesn't happen that way. If you die without a valid will in place, it basically means you die interstate. And what happens? We have the Interstate Succession Act, which comes into play. And if you have a spouse, there's a specific way in which your estate is distributed to your spouse as well as children. If there are no surviving family members, being it a spouse or children, it will go to your parents. If there's no parents, it will go to your siblings and basically it just goes down to family. So it goes down the line. It they don't down, go, you don't have a husband, you don't no. have children, you don't mm. have, so it's it, coming to the government. No, no, no. It does not go to the government. Yes, we need to clear that up. It does not go to the government. You do pay taxes. You pay a state duty tax, which is 20% of the gross value of your estate. There are definitely taxes that you incur. However, your, what if you have value in your estate, it's not going to go to the government. It will go to somebody who's related to you, and it could go to that 45th cousin who you haven't seen in 20 years and you actually hate. Okay, but guys, don't get excited now. So mm-hmm. don't go and look at those schemes that you are getting yeah. where you're getting the SMS saying your uncle that died in England oh, yes. has left you mm-hmm. 10 million pounds. Or Nigeria. Or Nigeria, well. yeah. Mm-hmm. So be careful. It never yeah. says that they come from Nigeria. They never come from Nigeria. <laughs> no, it's Nigeria. always England. <laughs> and you've got a long-lost uncle that you never even knew you had. And so you've just be been careful. Found. Yes. yes. You're the only surviving relative, and you're basically going to inherit his entire estate. Yeah. That's not how that works. No, no, it does not work. That <laughs> okay. no. But who does contact you? Who, who contacts you from the state to say that there's... Somebody who's died and there is this money coming to you. Or if I die, mm-hmm. who's going to contact my people to say they, they've got... 
firstly, do you have a will in place? No. Okay. Uh, the first time I ever met Michelle, mm-hmm. the question <laughs> I asked her was, I don't have money. I don't have an estate. So <laughs> why do I need a will? And I think that's what a lot of people think. They think yeah. you need to have lots of money. No. No. You need to be a millionaire. No. You need to have all of the, in order to make a will. Yeah? Every person that's employed and that's been gainfully employed and creating an estate, everything you have that's an asset on your death will have to be disposed of. Yeah. No, I, we, mm. I think we get that. So for me, it was mm-hmm. always, um, so I've got a house, but it's got a bond. So it's not really an asset, okay. right? I've got a car, but it's not paid off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. you kind of go, so what am I putting in that will? I think for me to give you a clearer picture of how your estate would be administered on debt, let's start with that administration of estate. Okay, yes. When you do pass away, it is basically assumed that you dispose your property a day before passing away. So what happens is all your assets, yes, your vehicle is your asset, your property is an asset, even though there's a liability linked to it. Those assets are added up and all your liabilities are thereafter taken out. So your home bond, your vehicle finance, your Edgar's Truitts Fushini, your income tax as well, depending on which part of the year you passed away, all liabilities are taken out first. And thereafter, if there's anything left in your estate, would be distributed, in your instance, there's no will in place, will be distributed in terms of your surviving spouse, partner, alternatively if you have children. If none of them are applicable, it would go to your parents. If there's no parents, it goes to siblings. And then basically down the hierarchy of your family tree. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Pumi, also just remember that you might not see your house mm-hmm. as an asset. However, your bond will always be lower than the value of that property. So that is an asset. Mm. And I think that's where we talk about that you do have assets. You may also have liabilities, but the chances are that your assets will outweigh your liabilities. Mm. Yes. And and, and I think the the thing that's never um, left my mind from that first conversation, Michelle, is, is also, you know, you sign up. For life policies and they all pay out mm-hmm. on death or disability mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what that means is that if that policy pays out on death, it means you're dead, right? That's correct. And so that two million rand <laughs> comes <laughs> when you've died. Mm-hmm. So there's two million rand at least in your estate. Yes. So whatever the, those monies, but I also think, you know, we choose beneficiaries yes. for, for our policies. Mm-hmm. So you kind of think, I've already chosen that beneficiary. They'll just call that person. Yeah. Yes. Um, so maybe let's talk about choosing beneficiaries first. Okay. Let's talk about life assurance first. Okay. As your example says, you've got this two million life policy in place. You've nominated a beneficiary on it. Okay. You need to bear in mind that two million, if you've nominated a beneficiary, does not fall part of your estate. It goes to that particular beneficiary. Oh. Yes. Okay, so you could, you could it's have. It's not part of that so estate. That's disconcerting. <laughs> yeah. You are going to pay a state duty on that policy because it's basically included in your estate for the calculation purposes. However, the funds will not be paid to your estate to settle any liabilities. The insurance company is going to pay directly to whomever you've nominated as the beneficiary. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 
And because they don't let you not have a beneficiary nominated on those accounts. No, you well, can never. you can have your estate yes. as oh, part of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can. Yeah. So you could nominate your estate. Correct. Exactly. What would you write on the form? Well, you just say estate, estate. and you leave it blank. Yeah. Okay. If left blank, it will actually on death will go into your estate. That is a way that you can look at your different policies because what you would do is you may have one or two policies which will pay directly to beneficiaries. However, you should have at least one policy that will cover any liabilities that may occur on your death. Mm. So that would go into the estate to pay for things like your bond, um, your card accounts, your overdraft facilities, your, your car. That will pay that off so that there are no liabilities and no recourse to your next, um, you know, to your, uh, your spouse mm. or to your children that they are then liable for that. So what, what then? Okay. So that's in your beneficiaries. I mm-hmm. think South Africa has something ridiculous like 68% of all households are run by single mothers. That's correct. correct. So you, you <laughs> Put me and I both Show put our hands up. And so did find the side for back. Which okay. means that actually as as there are four people here, mm-hmm. that's that's <laughs> that's seventy five percent. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's it's a topic we need to discuss. It's a topic yeah. we need to discuss. And most mothers mm-hmm. will then you know, as a single mother, who do you nominate? You nominate your kids. Okay. As a beneficiary. If you nominate your minor child as a beneficiary, Remember, big problem. Well, not necessarily. There are ways and means to actually um, address that, but you just need to bear in mind that when you nominate your minor child as a beneficiary, the proceeds of that policy will be paid to that child's guardian. Now, you guys are single yeah, parents. Could be the ex-husband. It could be the ex-husband, because if no way. Yeah, remember, if one. Parent passes away, the surviving natural and biological parent basically steps in as a guardian. Narissa, I've got an interesting question that I've been thinking about for the last few days now. Mm-hmm. If we talk about a minor, I know it's under 18. Mm-hmm. However, if the child is over 16, mm-hmm. do they have a say at all or do the executors still have to look after that estate for the full two years of that child gaining the executor adulthood. or the, well, the executor or the guardian. No, the, the executor, yeah. if you leave it not to the child, but to the estate. Okay. Okay, but remember, even though you're not leaving it to the child, but yeah. it falls into your estate. Estate, yeah, that's what yes. worries me. That That's the problem because you need to have a will in place. Because in your will, you can nominate guardians. You can also create a testamentary trust. Now, a testamentary trust is actually created in your will, and it only comes into form or place once on your death. And what we say is the testamentary trust will be able to assist where you appoint a trustee or trustees. Usually a trust company is the best. Yes. Because if you get family members involved, there's going to be problems. And you know the trustees are going to look after whatever you leave in your will to the child, the minor child. They're going to look after it for that child's best interest. They have a legal obligation to do so. And you can actually state you can say age of majority, the child will basically be able to get those funds. Alternatively, you could decide on an age. A lot of our clients actually go for 25. Because remember, at 18, we I all would not wear give 18. a 20-year-old Egg, Even Correct. 21. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So we say normally 25. I, we did have few clients who actually went up until age 30. 
Even 30, yeah? I, yeah. I remember myself when I turned 30, I yeah. just put it out there. I would have <laughs> blown that money. Thank you. <laughs> I may still, but yeah. with full knowledge of the fact that I'm blowing the money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fun. You yeah. Add, yeah you, I don't think, you know. So you, this is the thing, yeah? You say, so testamentary trust. Yes. So that's a big word and it sounds lani, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's, it sounds like, you, you need to you need to be thinking about lots of different things, and now you need a trust company and and and. For me, but you That's, know, it's, it's yeah, sounds, I hear you. Sounds scary, and it yeah. sounds a lot. I think it sounds overwhelming to a lot of people, but that's where your financial advisor Correct. plays a major role. Because your financial advisor is going to have all these support structures around him or her, where you've got people to explain to you what is a testamentary trust, what's the benefits, what's the cons of it. There's no cons that I can actually see. But, you know, and, and in, in terms of doing holistic financial planning, your will is an essential element. Because everything links back to your policies and the beneficiaries on those policies. Yeah. Okay. Talking about your will and your policies, you've nominated a beneficiary on your policy and you have a will in place. You cannot now state in that will you're leaving that policy to, a, to somebody else. Mm. It will supersede the policy. The policy will supersede your will. Yes. Because as a life company, an insurance company has an obligation, it's a legal obligation, that beneficiary nomination, to actually pay those proceeds to the nominated beneficiary. The only time a life company will actually not pay those beneficiaries to um, the proceeds to a beneficiary is if there's a, um, a civil case going on. So basically, you know, there's a, there's a dispute in terms of that will. There's a dispute in terms of that will, and there's a court application in place where the life company will be interdicted to stay. Listen, hold on with paying out those proceeds because there's a civil action in the in process. Mm-hmm. Yes. So okay, so so then you you must ask about a testamentary trust if you're a single parent and you've got a and minor you've got child. minor children yes. and minor is up to eighteen. That's correct. And 19-year-old, they just get everything. Yes. <laughs> but that's why it's so nice to actually have somebody that is a trustee on your trust. Mm. Because you can do it with a company like Sunlam or with Mutual or mm. Momentum. They have their own departments with trustees in it. But you can co-nominate somebody within your family membership, like a sister or a or mom. Or like my best friend. Or your best yes. friend. Or strict like exactly. me. Exactly. Exactly, because then they can also have a certain amount of say in how the money is used. Because mostly for minor children, you're looking at things like education, up to tertiary level. You're looking at maybe getting them a car. You're looking at maybe getting them a small flat or whatever it may be. So that's really setting your child up for success. But you need somebody that is going to make sure that the money is used correctly. Mm. And that's the biggest reason to have an executor. Yes, actually to have a will in place. Yes. Because in your will, you would nominate who you'd want to be the executor of your estate. Yeah. So the executor is the individual who actually administers your estate. Which means what? You say, I've heard this, right? Mm-hmm. And people like will choose their older brother or an uncle or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it Does an executor have to have some kind of experience or not necessarily level or but it's preferable <laughs> okay i just want to actually sorry michelle but uh that actually has changed okay because the master of the high court that's the individual who actually deals with all the estates 
he or she has actually said you should nominate somebody who is competent and has experience. So preferably an attorney or an accountant, someone who actually de- – and obviously the trust companies. Mm. Yes. Because if you – as you said, if you nominate your brother or your sister and they don't have the necessary experience, they would still have to go – Get the services of an attorney. Mm. And all those costs are going to come out from your estate. Because is the executor the person that then says, in this, there are all these, um, policies mm-hmm. and they're all coming into this estate mm-hmm. and there's a house and the bond has a million rand that still needs to be paid. Do they have to pay off that? That's bond? correct. Yes. So if somebody also nominates you to be an executor, mm-hmm. say you no. need to say no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work and you have to be, you have to have the knowledge and the experience to actually administer the estate. It's time-consuming, and um, you must also bear in mind there's other heirs involved. And there's, for example, if there's a child involved or minor children involved, you need to still cater for those individuals' needs. So it's not merely signing off a piece of paper. It's a process. It's a legal process. It's set down in terms of an act, and it has to be followed. Because if you don't, if you're negligent in, in whatever way, you can actually be sued by the heirs of that estate. Because you sit as an executor, you hold a fiduciary role. And you've got to administer the estate for the benefit of those beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's more to come. <laughs> that That is a lot of stuff. And, and I think, yeah. you know, because, and this is what's scary about mm-hmm. wills, right? This is the thing that, that you then go, whoop. I'd rather just ignore it. Somebody Don't ignore it. it. But there are companies out there that do it. I know there's a company called Capital Legacy. And you pay them a monthly fee to look after your estate once you die. And they will do absolutely everything. And it sounds very morbid, but I think everybody should think about it. Actually have your affairs in order. Have a file so that if I drive out here today and get hit by a truck, that my family, touch wood, touch wood, 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 that I can actually, go, they can take that file, take it to Capital Legacy, and they deal with absolutely everything. They settle my estate, they close my bank accounts, they pay off the house, they do everything. That's what you really want. And then in your will, I have now stipulated that I have one other person that will work in conjunction with Capital Legacy to actually take care of that money for Jade and into her future. So, but how do I know that, what if, what should I be looking for? If, if I want to appoint um, a company, like an this. executor yeah. or like a capital, yeah. how do I know that capital legacy is the real deal? You know, is there like a body that looks after these people or do you just feel it out? We have the fiduciary institute. However, um, all your life companies have a fiduciary duty. With your life companies, for example, like your Sanams, your own mutuals, liberties, etc., they do have the insurance, the phase ombudsman, who basically would be able, if there's any issues, you'll be able to raise concerns with them. And what I would suggest is, obviously, you would have a financial advisor to assist you, and that particular advisor is linked to a particular company. And that's your FSP. Yes. Remember that you've got to have those licenses, which are then with the Financial Services Board. And that is important. So yes. those guys need to be licensed mm-hmm. to actually provide that service. Yes. Mm-hmm. And each of these companies, as Michelle mentioned, they do have a specific hub or a specific department called the trust department that deals specifically with administration of estates, setting up of trust, etc. 
And what what does it all cost? <laughs> okay. So while we are talking about all these wonderful things that people uh-huh. will Let's do, talk about the cost. What does this all cost? Okay. You know, will it cost half my estate? No. No. Okay. No, it wouldn't. Is there a cap? Um, it depends on the company you go to. There are different estate fees involved. For example, there's executor's fees. And that basically deals with all the property that your executor deals with. That is legislative. It sits at 3.99%. That 3.5 inclusive of VAT. You have estate duty sitting at 20%. You also have capital gains tax. If there's any gain on your capital asset, that's a tax that will have to come out from your estate. Michelle, that is a note, ne? Yep. That is a note yeah, for absolutely. another show. Absolutely. Yes, capital yes. gains. Okay. I know because people just hate <laughs> it. But sorry, then we've also got master's fees, yes. but that's six hundred rand. Yes, that's yeah. been six hundred for a good few years yes. now. You also have administration or advertisement costs. So there's lots of costs involved in terms of administering the estate. Um, but I think what you actually going to is in terms of. Going to somebody and getting your will done, what will that cost me? Mm. Okay. There's lots of companies where they actually don't charge you a fee. There's maybe a safekeeping fee. Also, there's a sliding scale depending on the value of your property or your estate. Yes. So the more money, the more you pay. The Correct. more money you have, the more you pay. Or well, the more money well, you have, the less you pay. I would, Which way? It depends. I, I can't speak for lots of the companies. So, you know, um, I wouldn't be able to actually give you that fee. Um, you can also buy a will from CNA, but the problem there is you need to, as we're speaking now, there's certain taxes involved, there's certain uh, procedures involved, there's certain things which are not practical that you should put in your will. It may sound fine, but you're not going to be here and that they actually cannot implement certain things. So it's preferable to actually use your financial advisor and go with a um a life company because they have specific people dealing with this on a day-to-day basis and we would be able to tell you, listen, you cannot put this clause in your will because of X, Y, and Z. Because mm. remember, we're speaking now about a will, but I haven't mentioned anything about the Wills Act. We have a specific act. It's a piece of legislation that sets out what constitutes a valid will. Okay, I want that woman and that one is because there's lots of things around. It's it's a, it, it sounds to me like and because I've seen those, you know, yes, I've yes. seen the uh, at the CNA mm-hmm. and with Google, mm-hmm. you can download anything. Yeah. Yeah, so there's any number of like mm-hmm. templates that yeah. you can download for yeah. wills from mm-hmm. all over the world. Yeah. Um, but it also sounds a little bit like yeah. yeah. And also remember, if you Google, yes, Google is amazing. But say you download a will and you actually downloaded something that deals with Indonesia, that law is not applicable to South Africa. So it it's not so feasible to actually do that. I think my biggest thing with any person that has a will is that will needs to be in a safe place. So whether it's with an insurance company, whether it's with like a fiduciary company, it needs to be somewhere where if something happens to you, that card is the first thing that your, that your family mm. takes out and they phone and they say, sorry, Michelle is dead. What now? Mm. Those people need to deal with it from that point onwards. I don't want anybody to grieve and still have to deal with my finances. For sure. And that to me is the most important thing. So even banks will keep your will. But if they have a trust company or a trusting 
company with a fiduciary section. That's great. But keep it in a safe place and it's not in your cupboard. Because life's not like the movies, hey? No. You know how no. there's like always some no. until that a will falls out of a, a no. cupboard no. in a no. movie. No, no, no. So somebody must know where this will is. Yes. You yes. must keep it in a safe place yes. so that people know. Does it have to be... Um, Authenticated in what in yes. some way? How it do most probably it must be witnessed. It might, needs to be signed yeah. by you, the person that makes the will. It needs to be witnessed and dated as well. Yeah, because you could have a situation where you have two wills in place, and the most recent will will actually take precedent over the older one. So you might have had a fight mm. with your best friend. And took her and, out of my will. took yeah. her out of the will. <laughs> and when she saw that first will, she was really happy. When she saw the second one, she was really pissed off with you. And then she brings the first will out and say, no, this is the valid will. This is what she wants. And that's where you have these disputes. And remember, if anything is disputed in your will, it will have to be taken to court. A civil action will start running, which means time-consuming and costly. Right. So there's a, there's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, I think I need to, to, to take a, a little breather about this one. So I'm going to take a little breather, play a song. Moto, you only live once. <laughs> and then, then we'll, but when we come back, I really, I want I want us to talk about the, the Wills Act. What, okay. what makes a valid will, mm-hmm. what you should be putting in your will and mm-hmm. what you should be considering when you're writing that will and where you're keeping it. This month is Cliff Central's birthday month and we'll be celebrating uncensored, unscripted, unradio with Savannah Premium Cider. Join me and the rest of the Cliff Central crew at Movida in Sunninghill on Friday the 29th at 9pm for our first birthday party ever. Doors open at 9pm. Email info at movida.co.za for pre-bookings. For more information, find Savannah Premium Cider Facebook or Twitter and all the details on cliffcentral.com. It's our party, and we'll drive if we want to. <laughs> it is our party. You better be there. Uh, you only live once. So we're talking about life issues today. You just got paid. You're about to get paid. We're talking about what happens to your money when you die. Nobody likes to think about that. Nobody wants to talk about it. And that's why we're doing it. Um, I'm Pumi Masheho, and you're tuned in to Womanda. It's 12.35. I've got Michelle Dave in the studio with me, and I've got Narissa, who's been actually quite like mind blowing, I must tell you, Narissa. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's a little bit mind blowing, and to think that about we're talking about wills, and we're talking about what makes a valid will. Mm-hmm. So, what what are the things that make a valid will? Okay, is it enough to just write it down on a piece of paper or in your journal and put it somewhere in your house? Um, not necessarily, but um, yeah. Let's start with the Wills Act. Even though that's a topic on its own, I'll just go through the. I'll highlight the main or essentiala of what a valid will is. Firstly, it needs to be in writing. And that can be in, in typed form as well. It needs to be in writing. It needs to be... Typed s- is probably better because then people can read it. Uh, that's also true. Okay. Yes. Dep- yeah. <laughs> Depending on your penmanship. Yeah. So, it needs to be in writing. It needs to be signed by the person that makes the will. It needs to be witnessed and dated. 
Okay, so that's the basic essential of having a will of that in terms of the Wills Act. There are certain other clauses that basically mention who can benefit and who cannot benefit. That's important. Yes. Who cannot benefit? Say, for example, you ask your your best friend to actually be the executor, and you've also asked your best friend to witness the will. That should not be done. Okay. So preferably, it should be. Independent witnesses, your executor should be somebody independent. Your guardian that you nominate for your minor child would be also somebody independent. But your guardian and your executor can be the same person. Um, a very important point is we in South Africa have something called freedom of testation. Your testation. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Basically, what that means is we can do as we please in terms of our will, in terms of how we want to leave our estate, provided it's within the parameters of our law. So you cannot do anything that's illegal, as well as contrabonus mores, which means against public policy. A perfect example, which I always use, is say, for example, two individuals are married and they are going through some sort of issue. And they separate it, so to speak. You cannot um, state basically your spouse is not going to inherit if you actually were act providing for that individual, because that person will have a maintenance claim against your estate on your death. And a very important factor is it depends how you are married to that individual, because if you married in community of property. Your estate is basically one joint estate. So your will cannot. Leave him out. No. Okay. Yeah. So your marital regime also plays a major, major role. For example, your community of property marriages, you only own 50% of that estate. And you can only. So your will can only talk to 50% your percent of exactly. the estate. Yes. So you could say, my 50% is not going to this, like, lying, cheating. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> yes. But remember, if he or she can actually prove you were, um, maintaining them. Yeah. They can have a claim in terms of the maintenance of surviving spouses act. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Also, minor children take priority and precedent. So if you have a girlfriend on the sideline or a boyfriend on the sideline and you leave everything to that individual and you have minor children in, in this relationship, your minor children will take precedence, their maintenance. So their maintenance claim will be priority in your estate. The, so you, I've got a wife mm -hmm. and I've got a sticky. Okay, so mm. I've got a wife and a girlfriend. Okay, and I have a sixteen-year-old child. Mm -hmm. My wife gets, and in my will, mm -hmm. my wife will get part of my estate. If right? you are married, in if we're married in community yes. of property, and then my child comes next mm -hmm. and the, even if in my will it says leave the rest to my to my girlfriend mm -hmm. the child comes in anyway exactly how but how do you enforce that so if i'm the uncle mm -hmm. and i'm watching this thing going down to the wire mm -hmm. and i'm thinking this girlfriend is getting everything this little 16 year old is going to be schneid mm -hmm. how do i enforce that you the uncle would have to go to the executor and lodge a claim or the guardian of your minor child will actually lodge a claim against your estate Okay. Yo, they're not going to sit back and let it go. And remember, with minor children, the court is the upper guardian of all minor children. Okay. So even if you haven't nominated a guardian and there's no surviving biological parent left, 
the court would step in and assist. How do you launch a claim against a will that you think is going okay. all right? Do you go to the police station? No. Do you it, go to court? What it's do you a civil do? matter. Okay. So you would have to engage the services of an attorney mm-hmm. and a formal civil application action would have to be put in place. So the whole formal legal litigation process has to go on. First point of call, what I see is a lot of people will go to the executor and have these discussions. And if nothing can be sorted out or resolved at that stage, then they go the litigation route. But remember, with litigation, it's very costly and it's lengthy. What about, so the one thing, woman, that's always a dubious thing, especially Mm -hmm. with black people dying. I don't know how it is with Michelle, with white people, (laughs) when white people die. But we die the I same know. as you guys. Just mm. trust me on that one. Okay. But when you are dead, <laughs> the issue of a will huh? mm-hmm. or the issue of what happens, especially if a person had shops or mm. a person had furniture, mm. stuff like that, you know, stuff as trivial as that at times mm-hmm. becomes a thing. You know, sometimes people are married and you live in a house, but the house is in the name of the husband. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then the husband dies and then the wife is left there, woman, and the the husband's uncles and everybody move into the house and throw you out. Mm. So how does, <laughs> I was checking, I don't know. Okay. I'm actually glad you brought this point up because we do have a lot of couples living together. Yeah, you're you are not know? married like yes. you are just fat and sit. You yeah. know? <laughs> okay, yes, you're right. Um remember in, in, in our law everybody have rights. You know, we've, we've got rights which we can enforce, provided they're within our legal spectrum. Um, in that particular scenario, customary union and culture and custom plays a major role. And that's why we say it's essential you actually have this written down. So even if you're not married and you, you guys intended to live as husband and wife, the courts will look at that individual being a spouse. But if it's if it's written down, if it's not no. written down, there's like nothing. Even if it's not written down, that individual you leave behind. Say you guys were be together for 10 years and your intention was to be husband and wife. You just did not want to conform to the institution of marriage for whatever reason. And you just So know, if you're like Oprah and Stedman. Yeah. He can have a claim <laughs> against her estate if she's financially supporting him. Which she probably is. Uh-huh. It's a yeah, it's a, an assumption, but yes. Mm-hmm. How long do people need to stay together mm-hmm. for it to be seen as a union? Okay, very good question. I know we also talk a lot in South Africa about my common law wife. We actually don't have that particular concept. A union is actually, as Michelle mentioned, is something that we look at, and there's no time frame. Time is actually a factor when the courts look at your intention. So you can't be new girlfriend three months. Oh moving. no, come okay. on. But what if no. nobody in the family knew, woman? You're like five years in, but they've only known you for three months. You know, in that particular scenario, it's going to be a full blown court case. Mm. You're going to get people to come give evidence. You're going to get friends, family member, colleagues, etc., producing affidavits, giving oral evidence in court. That's and that would work the same with a same sex union. Exactly. Yeah. And remember, you can always live together and have that union, you can have an agreement between the two of you. And in that agreement, you say, listen, we are, we, we, we basically joining our state. It's going to be a joint estate. So in the event of death of one of the parties, they've got this agreement to go, you know, to prove, but it's best to have your will together with that agreement. Cause also it, it, 
it's major in terms of the marital regime because you're not you haven't formalized or legalized that marriage even in customary unions it basically will there's going to be difficulty in terms of considering what sort of marital regime you fall under mm. yeah and about keeping that will safe mm-hmm. i'm just thinking if you're a girlfriend living with this guy and mm-hmm. you've you've done all the right things mm-hmm. you've written it out and you've done the agreement and it's sitting in the cupboard somewhere and then you are the only person that has it to produce it. Mm-hmm. You know, will the, will the validity of it ever be questioned if, you know, even if it's dated like three years ago mm-hmm. or whatever, how does, how does one? Well, on your debt. Deal when, with that. Yes. Well, let, let's work with the scenario where you have a valid will in place. And, oh. and you've kept it in the house. Yes. Well, okay. you can keep it anywhere as long as it's safe and you've got the original. Because on your debt, when your debt is reported to the master, the master will ask for the original will. So nothing is actually started. The process does not start until he has a copy of that val- the original will. Mm. And in the in the event that there is no original will, it goes interstate. Yes. Okay. And then you could also have a situation where part of your will is valid and another part cannot be implemented for whatever reason, that will be considered invalid. And that portion of your estate will devolve according to the interstate succession. So in the interstate succession, Mm -hmm. how do girlfriends play out? How do girlfriends... Yeah. Well, depending again on the circumstances and whether this individual or this girlfriend is considered a spouse, he or she will actually be able to... To inherit in terms of the estate Because interstate succession What happens is And we look at the married couple scenario Usually your surviving spouse Gets a child's share Or 250,000 Whichever is the greater of So for example you've got Husband, wife, two kids Husband passes on The wife and the estate They'll look at the entire estate If they, they count the wife as a child So they'll divide the insta- entire estate By and if that portion is higher than 250000 that portion will go to the spouse, surviving spouse. Whatever's left will be divided in equal shares amongst the children. Yo? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So interstate succession, it's, um, it's laborious and it's also not, may, it may be not what you intended. How long does it take? Um, it can take anything from six months to two to three years. Sure. Yes. What happens in the three years? So if you've got kids and you don't have a will and, and the minor need kids a will. and what happens in, in those three years? That's the problem. Because remember when you pass away, your bank account is frozen, your investments are frozen and your executor or the, if you don't have a will and you're, you have to report the, the debt to the master's office, the master in that situation will actually appoint an executor. Okay. But that executor will not be able to have access to funds, etc. So that individual. Yeah. Yes. So, hey. Yeah. That's the reason we say clients need to do estate planning. Because when we do estate planning, we will look at your will. We will look at drafting the will. Recommendations are made in terms of whether you need a testamentary trust, whether you need an inter vivos trust. The inter vivos trust is a living trust, and that's created now. So you can create your trust now, you can have assets in the trust now, and you can have your minor children as well as your spouse, partner, parents as beneficiaries. So that's like we, we've got 10 minutes to go, oh. we, and we must talk about mm. that inter vivos okay. 
Warawara. Mm-hmm. Intervivos <laughs> trust. trust. So that is a living living trust. trust yes. How does that work? Well, you create it now. You obviously need to do it in terms of using the services of a trust company or an attorney, and it's set up at a fee, and the trust would need to have assets. So, for example, I've got a trust now. I can actually purchase property. I can take out an investment in the name of the trust. And basically what that means is it's not mine in my personal capacity. It's owned by the trust. So I'm the founder of the trust. I nominate trustees. They are there to administer the trust for the benefit of the beneficiaries. And then I would nominate beneficiaries as well. So as a single mother mm-hmm. that owns a property, mm-hmm. I could create a trust Yes, that the property gets owned in the name of the trust mm-hmm. and myself and my child mm-hmm. are beneficiaries of yes, this trust. correct. And any other policies and all of those things, would I have to buy those in the trust? And what's the benefit of doing all of that? Well, remember with the trust, you, you're losing control. You, you don't own it. You lose the right of ownership. Okay. The trust now owns all those properties. Okay. The property, the investments, the policies, etc. Mm-hmm. So the benefit of having a trust is firstly, your estate is pegged. So it's not going to grow in terms of on debt. You won't pay so much as estate duty. It grows in the trust. Okay. The second element is, you basically are protecting your assets from creditors. So if, for example, you were declared insolvent for whatever reason, those assets no longer belong to you. They never did because your trust bought it. It was bought in the trust name. Mm -hmm. Those assets will be protected from possible creditors. Mm -hmm. And if you already own a home... Mm -hmm. And it's appreciated over some time. Mm-hmm. You were you were married. It all fell apart. Mm-hmm. And now you want to create a trust. Okay. And you want to move all those assets mm-hmm. that you own into that trust. Yes. W- can you do that? You can do that, but you need to actually do that estate audit because when we do the audit, we will look at the cost implications. Because remember, how are you going to get the assets to the trust? You either can sell it to the trust. Alternatively, you can donate it to the trust. Now, in both those, if you do any of those two transactions, there's going to be other taxes, like estate duty, transfer, sorry, transfer duty, capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be tax implications. And what we look at when we do the planning, is it feasible? Is it financially feasible for you to actually move those assets to a trust? Because mm-hmm. yeah. trust can be very expensive. Yes. And also, you would also have just... I stand under correction, but if I had to sell my home to the trust, I'd also pay transfer duties. That's correct. And it's capital a sale. gain. And, and capital, capital gain. gain. So it becomes Again, expensive. Mm. Yeah, it mm. becomes really expensive at the yes. end of the day. So it, as Narissa so rightly saying, is that it needs to be validated to say, why would I set up a trust? And what are the reasonings behind the trust? Because is it not better to have a will? which is with a fiduciary company or a trust company that will actually take care of my estate once I die. Yeah. And it also depends on the individual. So that's when we look, as I said, the, I bring up the trust, the estate audit again. It depends on everyone's circumstance, individual circumstances. It may be feasible for you to actually create an inter vivos trust now, and it may be feasible for Michelle to create a testamentary trust. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's a personal plan that needs to be worked for you and work around your circumstances. Yeah, so if I'm just yeah. 
Jane Soap and mm. I've got a job mm. and I'm working my nine to five every day, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm paying off my bond and my cars and my mm-hmm. whatever, the, then really what I need to do is put a will in place. For sure. Put a, a, a trust if I've got minor children mm-hmm. in place. I'm coming to this one. Trust okay. if minor children in place and then that's just, that's how it works because it would be just too expensive otherwise. But if you're like, you know, Super rich mm-hmm. or making mm. it happen, For sure. or, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So then it might be worth your interest exactly. to take a look at that or yes. you're entrepreneurial and yes. you want to get into. Okay. So mm. can I control people with what I say in my will? Oh no. Unfortunately <laughs> can not. Can I control me. what people do? Like, could <laughs> I say in my will mm-hmm. that I will leave all my money to Ganejo, mm-hmm. uh, provided he becomes an engineer? <laughs> And, you know, can I do that? Unfortunately, you can't. Or, like, he can't sell the, the house. He, yes. Like, I, I'll give him the house, mm-hmm. but he can't sell the house. And he can't, and, and his wife can't move into that house. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, <laughs> okay. You can't. His girlfriends can't move in. His wife can't His move wife in. His wife is cool, girlfriends yeah. Can't no, 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 no. You know, you actually cannot rule from the grave. And talking about the house is an example that you cannot sell the house. We have certain structures in estate planning where you can, we call limited interest. Where, for example, you can say, listen, your son's going to be the owner of the house, provided your mom actually has lifetime use and enjoyment of that property. Uh huh. Yes. So she basically, I'm not going to use the legal technical jargon. We've got specific terms for these. So I'll just call them limited rights for now. But there are structures in place which you can actually use for scenarios like this. But ruling from the grave, unfortunately, no. So what's the limits to what you can put in, in your will as as terms and conditions? Be there reasonable. Can, surely there must be terms and conditions. So you just have to be reasonable. You cannot do anything against public policy. And it cannot be unlawful. Okay, but I'm not being unlawful if I say you must become a... Well, then you have to do that That's in your a wish. Yes. That's a wish. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are limits. There are definitely limits. <laughs> you can have conditions in your will, pro- again, provided they're within these limits. Yes. Okay, so mm-hmm. just just quick recap. It's, mm-hmm. it's cheaper, mm-hmm. no matter what the cost is. <laughs> yes. It's cheaper to have a will. Well... You gotta have a will, and if you have a trust, you still have to have a will. That's the main point. The will is vital. The will is vital. Yes. Even if you don't think, even if, like, like Balisa was saying, if you don't think you've got two cents to rub together exactly. today. And how often can you change your will? As often as you want. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I always advise clients whenever there's a life changing event, death, divorce, um, you know, you should actually address that. Also, the birth of a new child, you know. Ad- your, at least yes. you forget them out of the world. Exactly, <gasps> yes. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> that unfortunately does happen as well. And talking about uh, birth of children, we also have something called, um, well, again, I'm going to go to a legal technical term, so I'll backtrack. Um, you can actually leave something in your will to an unborn child, provided that child is born alive. You can leave something... Mm-hmm. So if I'm pregnant, yeah, I could leave something to my child in your will, in the will, mm-hmm. provided the child is born alive. Okay, yes, that okay, that makes makes sense. sense. Yes, okay, but if mm. if all right, no, I get that. Mm. But the most important thing, if you if you remember nothing else from today, Narissa, draft the will, draft the will, draft keep the it safe. will, keep it safe.
Yes. Those keep it safe places. Mm-hmm. Who do you tell about where you've kept your will? Somebody that you trust the most. Because who would tell them? Like if I've kept my will. Okay. If you die, who is going to be notified? Who's your emergency contact person? Huh. Okay. That is really what you need to think of. So to, so I'm not dead this afternoon. Who are, touch wood, who are they going to contact? Uh-huh. That is normally the person. So when you go to the doctor or you go to something, you've got to sign indemnity and they always say a contact person in mm. case of emergency. Who is that person? So that person, so your emergency contact person Correct. is the person that must know where that Correct. file is sitting That's in your Correct. house. Correct. Must be the, the mm-hmm. person that knows where your will Absolutely. is and your bank accounts. Yes. <laughs> and as Michelle mentioned earlier, have it all in a safe place. Yeah. Like your policy information. If you have a trust, your trust deed, you know, everything dealing with your finances and. Yeah, you know, state. my mother has a little suitcase. You know those little there brown suitcases that we used to have? She has the brilliant brown suitcase. They Why work. Are you they like work. That? And she keeps it like she, she always says to me, and my mother's not that old, right? Mm-hmm. And she always says to me, you know what? Yeah. That suitcase. suitcase. If this yeah. house is on fire, just get that suitcase out of this house. <laughs> but that suitcase also has, that suitcase has all her policies. Yeah. But it also has like my grade one. But that's report. awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's like yeah. if you keep one of those suitcases, it's a good thing. Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Last words, girls, before we say goodbye. So mm-hmm. most important things, uh, when drafting a will, Narissa. Mm-hmm. Your marital regime, minor children, provide guardian nomination. I also haven't mentioned simultaneous death. What happens to individuals if they pass away together, partners, spouses, etc., etc. Another important clause is family obliteration. For example, your guys are all on holiday together and something happens. What happens to your state? Mm. Mention, make mention of that. And also, we get clients who want their last wishes, like their burial rights. Uh, you know, stuff to that effect. Oh, that also goes yes. in your Sorry. world. Yeah. Okay. Estate mm. planning, Michelle, the, the things to remember as you, then it's month end and this month I'm going to start, uh, uh, new policies. This month is my month. I'm getting my life all together. What are the things one should remember when planning their estate? When you plan your estate, it's very simple. Ensure that you are able to pay off your liabilities. Number one. Because without that, your beneficiaries are not going to be very happy. So make sure that your policies are structured in such a way that everybody gains from your death because you're not going to gain from your own death. Sure, hey? Mm-hmm. And or you're just... not going to be around and you can't rule from the grave. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Girls, thank you so much. So this this has given me a lot to think about. I'm moving up that appointment mm-hmm. and to put my will together. I'm going to move it up from end of June to beginning of June, which is next week. Well done. Thank you, Narissa, for coming and chatting with us Only and for sharing pleasure. all of that wonderful information. Michelle, as always, girl, we'll at, chat again. <laughs> at Michelle M. Dave. That's how you get hold of her. Yep. She's estate planning. She is, she'll help you sort your life out. There sort we go, your, guys. Out, sort your financial life out. Get hold of Michelle and I'm Pumi Masheko and you've been tuned in to Womanza. Join us again when we do it all again next week, exactly um, 12 o'clock. And outside the window, all the gorgeous people are here. The fashion show is coming up next. All the gorgeous people are here, but I'm going to play out with. Let's do it again next week, guys. Great.
cliffcentral.com.